Hello and welcome to episode 277 of the official StopUsRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always joined by Evan Silva coming off of a late news kind of week eight that shaped a lot of things in DFS. I talked about that on the solo pod. We're going to go through each team today. Evan, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Lots to get to this week. Really is. On today's show and each Tuesday this season, Evan and I go team by team, highlighting the most important things we saw from a fantasy perspective. Key takeaways. Before we get into it today, two things. First, we, ETR, are running a midseason slash Halloween sale. Get access to our entire NFL product, projections, ownership, shows, props, Discord, everything from now until the Super Bowl for just $149.99. As you can imagine, yes, I am tilting as that's way, way, way too cheap, but so be it. And second, this show is indeed brought to you by our friends at prizepicks.com. You guys know me. You know I love player props. I know a ton of people don't have access to them because they're in New York, California, Texas, ton of other states that don't have regulated sports betting yet. Prize picks is legal and regulated in those states. Dink and Leone are blasting off in New York. You can bet against prize picks props in parlay form. We have a table up each week. We're also firing stuff in Discord. If you want to try them, 100% instance deposit bonus up to $100 if you use promo code ETR. Again, promo code ETR at prizepicks.com or the link in the show notes to get the best deal. All right, Evan, let's get into it here with the NFC. The Arizona Cardinals lost a home game to the Packers who were playing without Devontae Adams. You know, I'm not that surprised that they lost because I thought, you know, they weren't like the best 7-0 team I've ever seen. But still, without Devontae, they couldn't get it done. The usage on Arizona, though, from a fantasy perspective, is really stable, man. Like, we did see Chase Edmonds finally get a touchdown, but we know, like, from a week-to-week basis exactly what their roles are going to be for Arizona. They're at the 49ers next. What you see out of the Cardinals' home loss to the Packers last Thursday? Yeah, should have won the game, except A.J. Green didn't turn around yeah. on the final play. Yeah. Uh, that was a wild finish in that game. Uh, the, the biggest concerns that we come, we come out of that game having are Kyler Murray with this, uh, what Jay Glazer reported to be a one- to three-week ankle injury. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday early afternoon, and we haven't had – any great updates on Kyler Murray besides that, uh, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I think that if he tries to get out there this week at San Francisco, he's probably going to be limited probably significantly in terms of his mobility. Um, but that's a one to three week timeline. We'll, we'll see. They, they're saying that they'll have Colt McCoy ready if Kyler can't go. And then DeAndre Hopkins aggravated his hamstring injury Remember, he didn't practice at all leading up to the Thursday night game, aggravates the injury against the Packers. And um, you know, now he does have the long week to recover the the quote unquote mini buy. But yeah. that that's you know, hamstring injuries can linger. Yeah, you know, I was optimistic on both those guys, kind of slipped my mind just because they had the long week, but I agree with you that it, that it's concerning going forward. I, do you think that if DeAndre Hopkins misses and De- DeAndre Hopkins never misses games, I do you think it'll be a real role change for Rondale Moore. I'm just not sure they play the same position at all. You know what I mean? Right, right. I think that they, yeah, they, I mean, they, they probably just plug in, plug some guy into DeAndre Hopkins' role on the outside. Yeah. Um, and, and leave leave Rondale Moore as that like slot manufactured touch player. Let's go to the Atlanta Falcons. You know, this Calvin Ridley situation, I think maybe gives us some insight into why he's been playing so poorly 
all season. Seems like he has a lot of very serious mental issues going on right now. Would encourage everyone to watch the Marty Fish documentary on Netflix if you haven't seen it yet. Talks a lot about mental illness uh, with professional athletes and Marty Fish specifically. But like from what it sounds like, it sound, and I don't know, but it sounds to me like how Ridley is going through some of the same stuff. You can see what happens, though, to this Falcons team sometimes, man. I mean, God, when you tried out Russell Gage, Taji Sharp, Alamidi Zacchaeus, and like Cordero Patterson as your wide receivers. And yeah, you have Kyle Pitts, but he was taken out of the game, which we can talk about. But yeah, I mean, this team has a really low floor. They can be really, 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 really bad. And so it's a problem for them because I don't know when Calvin Ridley's going to be back. What do you think about all that? And any takes on how Kyle Pitts failed without Calvin Ridley out there? Yeah, they're just not very talented once you pull Calvin Ridley out of the offense. I mean, you're, you're talking about some serious scrubs, like borderline NFL players. I would add Russell Gage, uh, you know, in, into that uh, sort of definition. Um, Olamide Zacchaeus is a 5'8", 188-pound dude who runs like a 4'6". Tajay Sharp, I mean, he, he's played for, you know, several teams and never really caught on. So, I mean, all of a sudden, those guys are playing a ton of snaps. And that really puts your offense at a disadvantage. Kyle Pitts, with about one minute remaining, the Panthers decided, hey, we're going to stick Stephon Gilmore on you. And Stephon Gilmore, a veteran cornerback, um, you know, the, maybe one of the few guys in the league is big enough with long enough arms to really hang with Kyle Pitts. And the Panthers were just like, we're not going to let you beat us. And that's going to be something that Kyle Pitts is going to have to contend with going forward is teams trying to shut him down, especially as long as Calvin Ridley is out. More often than not, I think that he'll be okay and the targets are going to be there. But in this particular game, you know, it's usually just with hindsight that we can analyze this stuff. It's not, it's never easy to see with foresight. Um, but in this particular game, the Panthers got the better of him. Yeah. And and I would say too, that like Panthers defense has been good this year, man. Like I don't, I didn't want to like, I, I may have, thought this was a better spot than it was for Atlanta generally in this game. Like their defense has been playing really, really well, especially in the yards per play department. I talked a bunch more about Atlanta on the solo pod. If you want to go back and listen to that Carolina, you know, it looks good in the box score for Chuba Hubbard. He had 25 touches, but if you listen to the broadcast, I mean like they went out of their way to say that the coaches really like Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah played 22 snaps in this game and they dominated so much that they ran a ton of plays. So you know, Chuba got 25 touches, even though Amir Abdullah got 22 snaps and Royce Freeman got 11 snaps. I just think in different kind of game flows, it's not going to look as good for Chuba. I do think Christian McCaffrey has a chance to be back week nine, but it sounds more like it'll be week 10 for Christian McCaffrey. What'd you see out of the Falcons win over the, uh, the Panthers win over the Falcons? Yeah, the, the, Chuba Hubbard did lose a fumble on the first play of the game and they still stuck with him over Abdullah and, um, and Royce Freeman. But yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a pretty average player. Um, Panthers only threw for 129 yards in this game. So, you know, none of the dudes in the passing game did anything. And then, uh, and Sam Darnold suffered a concussion. We'll yeah. see if he'll be ready in week uh, nine against the Patriots. I came into this more optimistic than you about uh, Christian McCaffrey's potential to play this week. I, I, I had the feeling that he was likelier than not, but you know, it's, it's, it's probably just going to come down to how does his body respond to getting him back into practice? Does he turn up super sore by the end of the week, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They have a home game against the Patriots on Sunday and then at the Cardinals uh, in week 
10. Yeah, we will see on Darnold, you know, his backup is, if you guys played XFL with us, you remember PJ Walker was the no doubt best quarterback in the XFL, absolutely shredded, probably would have been the MVP if the season got to finish, got cut short by COVID. PJ Walker is not shown too well in his NFL chances, but he's somewhat mobile and he's somewhat aggressive. He knows the system, played for Matt Rule uh, at Temple. And so I think he'll be okay. Like he can't be that much worse than Darnold's been. Let's put it that way. Uh, if he's forcing to start, let's go to the Bears. So, you know, I know you guys are probably sick of us talking about Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields was so, so bad in his first, what was that, three or four NFL starts. You can see how it's for fantasy when you can run for 100 yards in a game. It is so dynamic. I mean, only two quarterbacks have run for 100 yards this season in a game, Lamar Jackson week two, and now Justin Fields in week eight. I mean, it's such a game changer to be able to run like that at the quarterback position for fantasy. That said, Allen Robinson still has not gotten going. Pass game still hasn't really gotten going that well. Is this a f- mirage for Justin Fields' fantasy hope, Evan, or is this something we can count on? Yeah, and he still took four sacks on 31 dropbacks. You know, it, it really wasn't pretty outside of the ru- outside of the rushing. But I mean, that's something that I think that the the Bears, you know, coaching staff should encourage him to do. They really, really were against it in the first several starts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we saw him unleashed a little bit here and uh, against San Francisco. And I, I don't know if it's going to carry over, you know, against the Steelers be, yeah. because we saw it so minimally in his first several starts. I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's a way of like giving the offense, like injecting the offense with some ability to move the ball that they didn't previously have. And they desperately need because the passing game is really still in shambles. Um, you know, they, they can't, they can't pass protect, which is going to be another problem against Pittsburgh, you know, with TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward. And, you know, it's something that the the bears coaching staff needs to do, but again, we're dealing with assumption of rational coaching and with a, 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 an irrational coaching staff. Certainly not the best spot uh, at Pittsburgh. Uh, next week. I should note that Damian Williams actually started this game for the Bears, got the first carry, but hurt his knee very early. I think it was like his second or third touch or something like that. And then Khalil Herbert goes off for 25 touches. So, you know, like the projection, I I was having a really hard time trying to figure out how the Damian Williams, Khalil Herbert thing would go on Sunday. Ended up being moot because Damian Williams got hurt. But I did want to note that Damian Williams did start that game and got the first touch. And by the way, I really haven't heard a whole lot about David Montgomery making progress in his recovery, or Tariq Cohen, for that matter. Yeah. Um, it was uh, expected to be, I think, a four- to five-week injury initially for David Montgomery. Theoretically, he should be on his way back now, um, but I, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, neither have I. Um, once we uh, have our fantasy beat writer for every team, uh, we'll have that information at our fingertips. Let's go to the Cowboys. I, I, you know, I... I I, I, this Dak injury, I thought he was gonna be okay. Then like midweek, it looked like it was bad. They end up starting Cooper Rush, but Dak did look close. You know, I kind of suspect Dak will be back for this Broncos home game in week nine, but still the Cowboys were able to steal a win on the road with Cooper Rush. Amari Cooper had an excellent game, 822-1. What'd you see out of Dallas with, Coop, with Cooper Rush? Yeah, I was watching this game with Daigle, and you know, Daigle is actually a, a super closeted Cowboys fan. Um, but he was comparing uh, Cooper Rush to Chad Pennington. You know, I think, hey, the Cowboys would love to have Chad Pennington as their backup. I think Cooper Rush is not nearly as good 
as Chad Pennington, but that's the, like the sort of, uh, you know, um, the, the the spectrum that he is on as a player, kind of weak armed, not a very good athlete. And, but, but he, I mean, he, he got the job done. And, and one thing that, you know, one advantage that he has or that he had in this game over what Andy Dalton was dealing with last year is a healthy offensive line mm-hmm. and a healthy pass catcher core. And all of a sudden you can make it work with, you know, a, a borderline number two slash three quarterback talent in Cooper Rush. And they were able to make it work. The Vikings played like crap, but um, they, they made it work. And I agree with you. I thought Dak looked great in, in pregame warmups um, that, uh, you know, that from what we were able to see. And I agree with you that he'll be back probably against Denver, unless they get super cocky and they're like, hey, we're going to run Cooper out again, Cooper Rush <laughs> yeah. out again. But I, I think that they'll play Dak this week. Yeah. We'll have an eye on that. By the way, I want to give a quick shout out to Ryan Reynolds. Does this awards uh, column for us every two weeks. And he got me on Mike McCarthy in that article, 16 to one to be the NFL coach of the year. I mean, at this point, you know, there's guys in the mix. McVay, uh, Staley is falling off a little bit. You know, Kingsbury, there's plenty of guys. But I think Mike McCarthy at least has a chance. I mean, this Dallas team is really, really good. So happy to have that Mike McCarthy 16 to one. Shout out to Ryan. Lions. Uh, so Jamal Williams was a late scratch in this game. Kind of expected him to play because he's been on the injury report all year and played through it. But this one seemed worse during the week with Jamal Williams out. DeAndre Swift did handle 12 out of 17 running back carries and got five targets. But my God, I mean, this Lions team, I mean, to just get trucked at home by the Eagles, it's just like unfathomable. Like they got absolutely ripped. And so DeAndre Swift was never really able to get any red zone chances. DeAndre Swift was never really able to get going in the game. I will say on a positive side, TJ Hawkinson the last couple weeks has looked really, really healthy. And like among all the tight ends in the league, who can catch 10 balls in a game? The list is very, very small. But TJ Hawkinson is on it. What do you see out of the Lions just getting absolutely wrecked by the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, I got cocky after my uh, my 3-0 and betting week in, uh, in week seven. Took the Lions <laughs> against the Eagles and got wrecked myself. So... Not, not great. Uh, but yeah, TJ Hawkinson averaging eight catches per game over his last three. I think it's fairly safe to say that he is out of the woods with regard to those injury concerns. They are on by this week. Is that correct? I believe so. I'll double yeah. check. Yeah, I think they're on by. Um, yeah, they come out of their by at the Steelers in week 10. Okay. Um, so yeah, would expect Jamal Williams back for that game. Packers. So no Devante, no Alan Lazard. Still beat the Cardinals. I mean, yeah, there was a crazy play at the end. But yeah, still beat the Cardinals. I was a little disappointed. I want to see some more Amari Rodgers. Like, they must really not have any faith in Amari Rodgers. Amari Rodgers only ran five routes on 40 Aaron Rodgers dropbacks, even though, again, Devontae and Lazard didn't play. They also expanded the role of A.J. Dillon in this game, outcarried Aaron Jones 16-15. Routes were still 26-8 to in favor of Aaron Jones. But all in all, a really good win for the Packers last Thursday. What did you see out of them? Yeah, I think with Amari Rodgers, it's definitely an Aaron Rodgers thing. I mean, in, even his in his limited playing time, Amari Rodgers has like made mistakes, and that's not something that Aaron Rodgers is going to put up with. AJ Dillon has touch counts over his last five games of 16-4, 11-12-16. So I mean, that's double digit touches in four of his last five. You know, they definitely used him more in this specific game against Arizona because they were down so much uh, in the pass catcher core. And Aaron Jones was a beast in the passing game. And mm-hmm. A.J. Dillon was like almost like their primary running back. 
Um, but I, I do anticipate him continuing to get double digit touches. He's looked good as an inside runner. And, you know, there, there's every reason for them to continue to feed him. Uh, Robert Tanya and ACL done for the year. Uh, that That's a, a fairly significant blow for them because. Yeah. And I don't know exactly how they're going to replace him, like more Mercedes Lewis or Josiah Degura or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that they, we may just see more, you know, more uh, wide receiver featured sets and Aaron Jones maybe could benefit in the passing game as well. I think that David Bakhtieri, their, their uh, stud left tackle, who's been coming back from the ACL, been on the PUP list. He, I think he might make his season debut here uh, uh, at Kansas City. Um, who just uh, acquired Melvin Ingram from the Steelers uh, via trade, by the way. But their offensive line is, is should be almost fully intact real soon, Green Bay's. And then Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, back from COVID this week, I would expect. And also they're expected to get back Marcus Valdez-Scantling from IR. Yeah, and really good spot. I mean, they're playing Kansas City in week nine. It will be a really good spot for the pass catching core of the Packers. You mentioned the trade deadline. We are recording this. At 2.30, it is now Eastern time. NFL trade deadline is coming up at 4 p.m. No news so far. I have an eye on it. It looks like uh, the biggest news so far is that the Dolphins uh, are not trading for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson will stay with the Texans through the trade deadline. But if anything happens here while we're on the air, we'll be sure to bring it up. Rams. I mean, as expected, this was just, I mean, absolute bloodbath I mean it was only only 24 nothing at halftime but they got stopped at the one in the first half like three times um Van Jefferson who had the expanded role without Deshaun uh, Jackson uh he got hurt in this game I'm not sure how serious it was he left in like the third quarter because it was already a blowout I don't know if he could have returned but he was on his way to playing every single snap with the starters 388-0 on six targets like you could do a lot worse than Van Jefferson right now in a season-long starting lineup. I really think that he's going to be out there every single snap as long as he's healthy. Home game against the Titans next. Anything on the Rams? Yeah, Tutu Atwell finally blew away. Uh, done for the season. <laughs> um, I think that that probably means that they're not going to trade Deshaun Jackson, which I don't think that they should have uh, in the first place. But yeah. that probably sh- secures him as the number four receiver going forward. Robert Woods... Scored a couple of touchdowns. One was on the ground. You know, you might say that that's fluky, but he entered the season over the previous three years leading all wide receivers in rushing attempts. Like to see that, you know, sort of manufacturing touches for him in scoring position. Robert Woods has been pretty darn good since we were talking about him as a, a buy low early in the year. By the way, the Rams love this Stars and Scrubs, and I love playing Stars and Scrubs and DFS also, but like the Rams are doing it in real life. They give up more draft picks to get Von Miller now. I mean, they're going for it, and credit to them for going for it, but they like they hate draft picks, man. It's wild. Yeah, I think it's an interesting strategy. You know, it, it's not a strategy that any other teams have taken. Yeah. It's a strategy that, you know, it, it mimics a, a, one of the strategies that people will take in dynasty leagues where they'll just trade away all their draft picks for proven talent and I mean, you, you can absolutely make an argument that that's smart because you've seen the talent realized already in the NFL. Why would you try to, you know, try to try to forecast what's going to happen when we know that the hit rate on draft picks in dynasty leagues is low? And in the NFL, it's it's a lot lower than you'd think. Um, yeah. Even in the first round, it's like barely a coin flip. 
And as you go deeper into the draft, obviously it gets much, much worse. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the argument on the other side is that you're getting older, you're getting more expensive and like your roster isn't as deep. Right. So like, but, but yeah, I mean, the Rams are going for it and credit to them. I just think they're going to be a little thin. They can't afford injuries, but you know, that kind of is what it is. No team can really afford injuries anyways. Vikings. Uh, man, you said they played a mess of a game. I didn't see much of it. I was doing the Halloween thing, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. How does Justin Jefferson only get two twenty-one? zero in yeah. this game they play the ravens next anything on the vikings disappointing loss to cooper rush kirk was just bad i mean kirk had been good up until this game but you know the kirk and primetime narrative rears its ugly head again and he had like a four yard a dot in this game they weren't throwing throwing any stuff downfield um you know the cowboys defense has been good too mm-hmm. uh, but four targets to justin jefferson is completely unjustifiable Kirk Cousins, 5.3 yards for pass attempt. Uh, the Vikings are starting to fall apart defensively now. Daniel Hunter, their best pass rusher, tore his peck, done for the year. Patrick Peterson is still on IR. They get the Ravens next coming out of the Ravens bye. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of in trouble. I mean, they're, they're three and four. All four of their losses have been to quality opponents by six points or fewer. But... You know, those were those were a lot of games in there that they that they needed to win. Yeah, yeah, a lot of super close games for them, and I, I'm still super optimistic on Dalvin Cook. Like Dalvin Cook out carried yeah. Alexander Madison, eighteen to two, and, and now with Derrick Henry down, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Like I think I would take Cooper Cup if we were drafting today. I think I would take Cooper Cup first, but then I might take Dalvin Cook second. I don't know. Our rest of season top one hundred and fifty will be out tomorrow, but I I still have a lot of faith in in. Dalvin Cook. I mean, it's just crazy that I'm saying Cooper Cup first overall, but yeah. is what it is. As for Dalvin in, in week eight, I mean, the, the Cowboys just consistently knifed into the backfield of Minnesota. You know, when you have your running back getting 23 carries for 70 yards or whatever, and your quarterback averaging five yards for pass attempts, I mean, that's how you lose to Cooper Rush. Sure. New Orleans Saints. So unfortunately, Jameis Winston done for the season and blew out his knee we saw Trevor Simeon come in. It's confusing because uh, Taysom Hill's been out with a concussion, and we don't know, are they going to go to Simeon or are they going to go back to Taysom Hill when he gets cleared? We'll see. One thing we do know is that like Mark Ingram was ready to play right away. I mean, they signed him on Wednesday. On Sunday, he played 22 snaps, handled 24%. Running back carry saw 33% of the running back targets. Like They were ready to use Mark Ingram and give Alvin Kamara a bit of a break right away. But what do you think the fallout from this Jameis thing is going forward for the Saints? Well, now Taysom Hill has been dealing with a multi-week concussion, which is always scary, right? Yeah. But um, I think that I don't know. The indications are, are that I think he's expected to get cleared this week. Sounds like it. Yeah. And uh, he started four games last year. He averaged twenty-one fantasy points per game. Uh, he was the quarterback ten during that span, and so I think he's going to come in and be a very useful. Uh, fantasy asset um, when, whenever, you know, whenever he gets that full-time starting job, I'm assuming that he will, and they won't like mix in Trevor Simeon. I mean, Trevor right. Simeon, I know they won the game, but it's not like Trevor Simeon like played real well. <laughs> no, so, I mean, really good, really good win for them, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. on the back of Trevor Simeon. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, Taysom Hill is a dual threat. I think that it's, it's concerning for the Michael Thomas stashers. You know, I think mm-hmm. that your best case scenario with Michael Thomas coming back would have been, Jameis stays healthy, you know, maybe they, um, with, with a better receiver core, they, 
You know, they, they loosen it up a little bit in the passing game, but I, they're, they're going to be a low volume passing team almost certainly the rest of the way. They're going to continue to play old school football. Yeah, do not underestimate Taysom Hill in fantasy. Like, I mean, I was playing no. Taysom Hill in cash when he started last year in DFS. Like, you can you can win with Taysom Hill in fantasy at quarterback, 100%. Giants last night lose the game at Arrowhead. It was a weird thing with, like, Kadarius Tony. I don't know exactly what was going on with him, but hopefully get some more clarity on their injuries going forward. I do think Saquon will be back week nine, and maybe they get Galladay back as well for a home game against the Raiders. Shepard was back last night so like when they get everybody back and they have good spots like I still think this offense has a really high ceiling what'd you see out of the Giants loss in Arrowhead last night yeah the the receiver core continues to be just like every single week you know it's everybody's a little bit banged up you know and and guys keep getting hurt the the Giants do they play the Raiders this week and I mean they you know they're in must-win territory for sure so they're going to try to get all their guys on deck here but they do have a bye in week 10. So if anybody is, you know, slightly banged up by the end of the week, like they could be at risk of missing this game. But I mean, they have, there's just, I mean, they, they've got at, at pass catcher, they got Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, John Ross has made some plays for them. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, that is a lot of dudes to sort through and you know, everybody's a little bit banged up. Joe Judge after the game started like bitching about the headsets like buddy you haven't listened to this solo pod no excuses you know play like a champion I mean imagine going out after you've lost and lost the loss and try to blame it on headsets you know like yeah it's just not it Eagles um so yeah you know they didn't run enough uh wind sprints and and and, and laps and uh do enough (laughs) push-ups at practice this week clearly Joe it's not the headsets uh Eagles um you know, I, I wish I was more adamant about this, but like in my gut, I felt like Kenny Gainwell's role had a chance to be unchanged. In other words, the direct backups to Miles Sanders were Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, and Kenny Gainwell stays in his pass catching role, you know? So like, I wasn't adamant enough about it. I didn't feel like 100% about it. I just thought there was a chance that would happen, and that is what happened because they were winning the game 34 to freaking nothing, and Gainwell had one touch through three quarters. Um, did get a bunch of touches in the fourth quarter, but yeah, you know, just no role change for Gamewell is what it is. Also want to note Jalen Rager hurt his knee in this game. I'm not sure on the severity there, but man, he looks like a bust as a first round pick. Anyways, what'd you see out of the Eagles thrashing of the Lions? Well, this is sort of how I was, I I thought that the Eagles should play entering the season. I mean, they finished this game with 46 rushes and 16 pass attempts. And, you know, they had the pieces for a truly elite running game. And look, I understand that the pass is the way to go in the NFL, typically, but also the way to go in the NFL is to build your offense around your personnel. And they have, even after losing Isaac Sumalo and Brandon Brooks, they have a powerful offensive line that can absolutely clear running running lanes. Um, you know, they've got a stud two-way tight end in Dallas Goddard, um, and they've got a dual-threat quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And Nick Sirianni has engineered very strong rushing rushing attacks dating back to his time in Indianapolis. So I thought it made all the sense in the world for them to enter the season playing like this and imposing their will on the ground and then using, you know, um, and then having Jalen Hurts take like vertical shots because he can, I mean, he can make some pretty nice downfield passes uh, at times to uh, Devontae Smith and 
Jalen Rager and Quiz Watkins and Goddard can also make plays in the uh, in the in intermediate range. So I thought that this was the, the way that they should play. They did not play that way early in the season. It seems like they're starting to come around to that, though, because their run rate uh, in, in situation neutral scenarios has started to come up and it was mm. big time against Detroit. I think they, they got to keep playing this way. Um, and I, I think Jalen Hurts will be fine. I know this was his worst fantasy game of the season so yeah. far. It was just the game script required him to do so little, uh, but they can play in that run heavy manner and Jalen Hurts can be um, a focal point of that. I mean, he had seven carries for 71 yards in this one. Yeah, and they play the Chargers at home next. Obviously, the Chargers have played a style in which they dare teams to run on them. So I think we can project pretty safely project another run-heavy game plan out of the Eagles in Week 9. 49ers. Um, you know, I don't have a lot here other than Brandon Ayuk's usage was really, really good. You know, I am still think that his uh, floor is really low, like actual air balls on a week-to-week basis, but his usage was really, really good in this game, played better. This Debo thing, man, I mean, I know he banged up his calf a little bit, but he's having the most absurd season. 32.5% target share while averaging 18.6 yards per carry. Like, you don't see that. Like, you don't see number one, le- uh, number one, like, load-bearing wide receivers also averaging 18 yards per catch. He's just so absurd after the catch because his eight out is only, like, eight yards. I mean, it's so crazy what he's doing, what you see out of the 49ers game against the Bears. Yeah, I think 33-22 win against the Bears. I think that it extends Jimmy Garoppolo's leash. We had started to hear some like murmurs of Trey Lance potentially getting an opportunity sooner rather than later um, entering the game. But I think that this this helps Jimmy G. Uh, I think that in the backfield, we now have somewhat defined roles. Mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell is entrenched as the early down bell cow. So Michael Hasty is the passing down back. Trey Sermon is a third round for whom the 49ers traded up special team are now. Yep. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about this because Tim Kamakami, who's covered, you know, West Coast sports for forever, uh, suggested this, that, that, that there have been rumors in uh, San Francisco that Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones at number three all along. Mm-hmm. And then he got talked into Trey Lance by other people in the organization, not necessarily John Lynch. I don't think John Lynch has a whole lot of personnel power, but other, other people may, whether it be scouts or, you know, other executives, uh, other, you know, quasi decision makers, they talked Kyle Shanahan into Trey Lance, Trey Lance shows up nowhere near ready. And so now Kyle Shanahan is like trying to stick it to uh, those, those other guys that talked him into it by uh, sticking with Jimmy G and not inserting, you know, not, not fully committing to Trey Lance. What do you think about that? I mean, Kawakami is not, I mean, he's not an idiot, you know? No, I, I think yeah. the first part of what you said is definitely possible. I mean, if you listen to the yeah. Schefter interview I did, I asked mm-hmm. Schefter specifically about this and Schefter said yeah. they were, they planned to take Mac Jones. They did more diligence and then they emerged with Trey Lance. That diligence could have been an argument between Kyle Shanahan and the front office, the second part, like sticking it to the front office by not playing Trey Lance. I, I don't know, man, that that would be a step too far for me. But yeah, I mean, everyone loves a good conspiracy theory. Uh, dude, Mac Jones has played Mac Jones has played really well, man. Like they, they, San Francisco might actually be like legit good with Mac Jones. I, I hate to say it. I mean, and he's doing it with Nelson Aguilar, you yeah. know, and Jacoby Myers as his numbers one and two. So, yeah. All right. Let's go to Seattle. 
Um, uh, sound, Russ got the pins out of his finger. Sounds like he has a good chance to be back week 10. But, I mean, Gino's doing it right, man. I mean, 24 passes in this game for Gino. 19 of them were at Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. I mean, I was shocked that Tyler Lockett had such a big game with Gino Smith. The other uh, thing here is, like, Alex Collins is clearly banged up, lost a ton of snaps. He played 27. Travis Homer played 16. Rashad Penny played 11. DJ Dallas played two. Like, they're just going full-blown committee now, whereas in the past, we saw them lean on one guy more. What do you see out of Seattle's game? Yeah, shout out to uh, Greg Rosenthal, who has been the, the Geno Smith trumpeter for, I mean, over a decade now. <laughs> so he, he's, he's got to be enjoying this. <clears throat> um, yeah, it sounds like they are, are truly targeting, though, a Week 10 return for Russell Wilson. They're on their, The Seahawks are on their bye this week. He just Russell Wilson just got the pins out of his, the middle finger on his right hand. And I think they play the Packers in Week 10, and that's the game where they expect Russ to be back. That obviously will be great news. And, and you know, Great on on Gino for you know delivering the rock. I mean, great for the Tyler Lockett uh, best ball shares because I don't know if anybody had the the K Hones to play him this past week. Uh, Chris Carson. It sounds like he's going to try to. He's coming off a neck injury. Trying going to try to practice during the the bye. Mm-hmm. But you know there have been like you know indications that he might not play again for the rest of the season. Yeah. So uh, he seems very up in the air. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you have to drop Chris Carson in the bye week, I think it's okay. You know, if you don't have an IR spot or something like that, um, and you have to. Bucks. Bucks are heading into their bye. I mean, this decision to play Rob Gronkowski to me was absolutely insane. I mean, absolutely insane. Like, you have O.J. Howard and Cambry. You're already 6-1. and one. Oh, You know you're going to be in the playoffs. Like, why do you have to play Rob Gronkowski right before the bye? He plays a few snaps and then leaves with back injury. Um, Chris Godwin just... I mean, without Antonio Brown, with Marshawn Lattimore on Mike Evans. I mean, you were on it. Chris Godwin was such a smash. 30% target share for Chris Godwin over the last two weeks without Antonio Brown. It is coming up on the trade deadline here, and no word on Rojo. I saw some rumors that maybe somebody would try to trade for Romo, uh, for Rojo, the Titans, or something like that. Still nothing on that, though. Anything on the Bucs as they head into their bye? I've been hoping that Rojo would get moved, maybe to Tennessee, you know, just for for Corrine's sake, you know, just just to make (laughs) Pat Corrine happy. Um, I mean, I think that would be a good move by Tennessee, though. Yeah. You know, the, the problem with R- Ronald Jones is that he he plays on Tom Brady's team, and they can't have him back there missing, whiffing on blocks with a 44-year-old quarterback back yeah. there. I, I do think that he's an excellent stash, even if he doesn't get traded, um, because if something happens to Leonard Fournette, you do, you do have the lead back in, you know, a Tom Brady quarterbacked offense. So he, he should be owned – he should be rostered in – pretty much all season long leagues, just as a speculative stash. Um, The Bucks go on their bye this week. You remember last year what happened after their bye, they went nuclear. I don't know if, uh, you know, they, they have a whole lot more room for offensive improvement, but uh, this will be good. I mean, they're, they're still like the oldest team in the league. Sure. Football team, Washington football team. So man, you know, like, I don't know. I don't want to say I regret it, but we knew in the preseason that Antonio Gibson wasn't going to get pass down work. I never thought in a million years that he would lose base work to Jared Patterson, but that's exactly what started to happen. He only outsnapped Jared Patterson 23 16, and Patterson actually outcarried Antonio Gibson 11 to 8. And I know it's probably related to this injury with his shin or, or whatever else is going on with Antonio Gibson, but like your role is when you don't have the pass game role at all. 
it's super fragile. Like your downside is super fragile to team problems, to injuries, to other issues. So, you know, I, I prefer Najee Harris to Antonio Gibson, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't like Antonio Gibson as a second round pick in fantasy because I did. And it just looks so, so, so bad now as they head into their bye. I guess the optimism could stem from maybe he gets healthy in the bye and Jared Patterson goes back to a zero, but you know, I don't feel great about it. So what would you have to say? Like people were asking me if they can drop Antonio Gibson during Ooh, his bye week. Like, really? yeah, I wouldn't do that. But but what do you think about all that yeah. and anything else on the football team? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. It, it, it was, it's this stress fracture thing. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, and, and I mean, he has this back, this background where he's, you know, never held up on like a huge workload. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, in college, he wasn't, he wasn't even remotely a feature back. And last year, I think he had like, 180 carries or so uh but he got injured so i mean that that could those could be the the knocks that maybe we should have for you know built in more to our expectations for antonio gibson i, I was high on him too you know we were trying to reach for upside we were, we were trying to hit a ceiling and antonio gibson has not been able to stay healthy hasn't been able to hold off jd mckissick and therefore he's you know, he's definitely not going to hit his ceiling, I don't think, this year. But hopefully he does get healthy during the bye. They have a bunch of dudes. The Reds, the football team have a bunch of dudes that could come back after this bye. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Logan Thomas, um, Deami Brown. Samuel. Yeah. Deami Brown. So, I yeah, know, we'll, we'll see. It's also, Maybe I, there will be better things in the second half of the season for this offense. Well, yeah, and their schedule has been, like, tough. And, like, you know, the defense has struggled, and that hasn't helped Antonio Gibson either. I'm trying to pull up their schedule here. I think it does get softer. They'll come out of the bye and face, well, they face the Bucks, Panthers, Seahawks, Raiders, Cowboys. Cowboys again, yeah. Well, it's not great. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is going to do it for this NFC team-by-team podcast appreciate you all if you're listening here on youtube please subscribe if you're listening on itunes or anywhere else podcasts are found please subscribe it is indeed free for producer luke for jerry for evan i am adam good luck everybody mm-hmm.